you can turn to Proverbs 18.24 and John 15.13. It's up to you. I'll be reading these. John 18, I'll only be reading John 18, 24b, and then John 15, 13. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. We thank you, Lord, that throughout the service, you're helping us, but especially we thank you that you're helping us during the preaching of the word, so that the preacher, both the preacher and the listeners, might be nourished in the gospel of Jesus Christ, strengthened in our Lord for your glory and our good, and for the good of this world that we live in. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. The television series, The Rifleman, ran from 1958 to 1963. The Rifleman is an American Western featuring Lucas McCain, the Rifleman, and his son, Mark. Occasionally, Scripture is referenced. And the show, to some degree, a pretty good degree, I would say, has a worldview that I like. Mark and his dad have an absolutely wonderful relationship. Debbie told me the other day that when she was young, she had a crush on Mark. Well, that disturbed me because it hit a little too close to home. As you know, I constantly have to endure Laurie bringing up her boyfriends and crushes with me. Now I can see, sadly, that the tendency is beginning to permeate the entire family. <laughs> By the way, you have got to see Series 3, Episodes 20 and 21. It's one of those rare two-part series in The Rifleman. But before you watch Series 3, Episode 20 and 21, I recommend if you haven't gotten a good dose of it already, that you would get a good dose of Mark and his relationship with his dad from some other episodes, and then jump to series three, episode 20 and 21. A completely different episode of The Rifleman highlights Proverbs 18, 24b, and John 15, 13. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 
That is what Jesus did. He laid his life down for his friends. He willingly laid his life down unto death. Leading, leading up to this climax in the word of God of Jesus doing this. As early as Abraham, God's people began to understand in an elemental way that God would someday provide a substitute who would pay the penalty for their sin. When Abraham obeyed the Lord and laid his son down on the altar of sacrifice at Mount Moriah, and when at the last second, the angel of the Lord provided a ram as a substitute, it showed more clearly than ever before that a substitute was needed for sin. Appropriately, the place was called, the Lord will provide. You'll recall the greatest act of God's redeeming, of God redeeming his people in the Old Testament when he delivered them from Egyptian bondage. God, through Moses, had instructed his people to kill a lamb for each household and to spread the blood of that lamb on the door frames of their houses. God had warned Pharaoh that if he did not release his, the, his people from bondage, death would come to the land of Egypt. Well, the death angel passed through Egypt and struck down every oldest male child of every family in the land. But wherever there was a house that had the blood of the lamb on its doorframe, the Lord mercifully passed over that house. When God looks at you today, does he see the blood of his ultimate substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ? That's a very important question because he's not looking for anything else. He's not looking to see how good you are or how hard you've tried or how much you've improved yourself. These things can never be in the equation because they play absolutely no role at all in a person's salvation. No, the Lord said, when I see the blood, then my judgment will not fall upon you. Because of the blood of the Lamb, I will pass over you and spare you. He's only looking to see if the blood of his substitute has been applied to your life. That's, that's, God knows all things, but so that we can understand it, it's in this language. He's only looking to see if the blood of his substitute has been applied to you. And to hear you say, when asked the question, what can wash away my sin? And you answer, nothing. 
but the blood of Jesus. In the yearly day of atonement established by God for Israel, one goat was sacrificed and became a substitute to receive sin's punishment for God's people. And this full payment that this goat symbolized, this full payment for sin, turned away God's judgment, just as the blood on the door frames turned it away in Egypt. Upon, the, upon a second goat, the priest laid his hands upon this goat, symbolizing the transfer of the people's sins onto that second goat. The goat was then sent far into the wilderness to show that God had removed the sins from his people as far as the east is from the west. All of these events and rituals in the Old Testament and many more besides were used by God to cause his people to look forward in faith to his promised coming Messiah. So it's no wonder that when John the Baptist came on the scene, he introduced, as a prophet of God, he introduced Jesus. He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God's true Lamb from heaven was there. But unlike the lambs that foreshadowed him throughout redemptive history, he was a willing sacrifice. Speaking of his coming substitutionary sacrifice, Jesus said in John 10, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again referring to his resurrection. Remember how Jesus told his disciples over and over that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and rise again on the third day? He told them in Matthew 16, and Peter rebuked him for it and said, this will never happen to you. Well, what did Jesus say? You know what he said. He said, get behind me, Satan. Meaning, quit thinking in the way that Satan and the world would have you to think, I must go to Jerusalem to die. Set your mind on the things of God, Peter, not on the things of man. He told them about his death and resurrection again in Matthew 17, and the disciples were distressed about it. He told them again in Matthew 20, but the disciples were conditioned to think that the coming Messiah was going to conquer the nations and set up his own earthly kingdom immediately in Jerusalem. So when they heard Jesus speak about the coming death, it did not fit into their framework or understanding in modern language, it did not compute with them. No comprendo. Jesus told them yet again about it in Matthew 26 when he said, after two days, the Passover is coming 
and I will be delivered up to be crucified. On the night he was betrayed, less than 24 hours before his execution, he celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples one last time until we get to heaven. One last time. And as we have noted, the Jews had done that for thousands of years following the Exodus. They did this in remembrance of their deliverance from Egypt through the blood of the Paschal Lamb. This all looked forward to Jesus and the redemptive work that he would do on the cross as the Lamb of God. Jesus is the perfect Paschal Lamb. For centuries, the Jews had eaten the bread and drank from the cup in remembrance of their great exodus from Egypt. And now, less than 24 hours before his crucifixion, he's in the upper room with his disciples, and Jesus, it's, they're celebrating the Passover, and Jesus changes the meaning of the bread by saying, this is my body. And he said about the cup, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is in my blood. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Paschal Lamb. He is the perfect sacrifice the lamb without blemish. In the next few weeks or so, before you watch series three, episodes 20 and 21 of The Rifleman. Just because I love that one, and I think you will too. I want you to listen to Mr. Sproul on this teaching on the last Sunday. It is the most profound message. It is great. And before the day is over, I will have it in your email. And if I find out that you did not listen to it, you'll be excommunicated. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it to you today. So when we see our Lord on the cross, we can see why he said, I must go to Jerusalem as a willing, determined, and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of all who will believe. Now that's why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, 8, and 8, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast. What feast are we celebrating today? Christ is our Passover. Sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast there is a friend 
who sticks closer than a brother, isn't there? There is no greater love in all the universe than the son of the living God laying down his life for his friend. Are you his friend? I'm asking, are you his friend? You are if you believe in the sufficiency of his shed blood. Remember when during the time of the Exodus, the only thing, the angel of doom was looking for was the blood of the lamb. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. When you, when you picture the Lord Jesus Christ in his sufferings and then nailed to a cross, it's sufficient to take you into the arms of the living God you can't add anything to it. Nothing but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want everyone here to know that if you're trusting in Jesus Christ alone, that's the only place where you can find peace. It's not in what my hands have done. No. It's in what his hands have done. It's the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, we've, we've taught a number of times throughout the years that it just doesn't mean his blood, it means his death. Every single lamb that was sacrificed throughout redemptive history leading up to the fulfillment of God's Lamb on the cross, every single one of them was sacrificed unto death. They couldn't have just uh, taken a knife and cut its hip and had the same effect at all. And so anytime you read about the blood in the Bible, it's referring to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. His blood was shed unto death. What can wash my sin away? This preacher can't do it. I don't have it. I never will have it. I'm so far from having it, it's unbelievable. Only looking to Jesus will make me whole. That's it. There is no other way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and you better share in that with me. Because you better be good enough he didn't put that in that verse. 
Are you trusting? Are you resting in Jesus Christ? Have you worried about your chairs this morning? That they'd fall in? Pretty good. Are you resting in Jesus like that? When you cross an old rickety bridge, you think of Jesus because he'll never fall in. If all you did was sin one time and broke one law, if all you did was hate someone when you shouldn't have hated them, and broke the sixth commandment. All it takes is just one sin. And the Lord calls that spiritual murder in his own sight. How many times do you have to murder someone to be a murderer? Just once. Go through all the commandments like that. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. And when a person begins to see that. Then they, the light just comes on. It's Jesus who makes me whole. It's Jesus that washes away my sin. It's Jesus who makes me acceptable. How's that happen? Through faith. Because Jesus paid it all. All. He paid it all. Father, we thank you. That we are not those who are looking to have you assess our lives, and find us acceptable for heaven. We thank you, Lord, that you're only wanting to know if we're resting in the sufficiency of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And Father, we pray that we might be a church that exalts you because of such grace and mercy found in Jesus Christ. May that be true in all of our lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wanted to...